Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. You can be seated, church. If we have not met before, my name is Zane Witcher. I'm one of the ministers here. And uh, I want to encourage you today, uh, if you have a Bible with you, to go ahead and turn to this passage. Uh, we'll be walking through some of the story and add-on that goes with it. Uh, it's going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 30. If you are new to the Bible, though, uh, or you do not know very much about the Christian faith, or you're checking out the faith, we will also display the verses on the screen for you today as well. There is a musician, screenwriter, composer by the name of Andrew Lloyd Webber who created a famous musical back in the 80s called Cats. And people loved Cats. But the thing is, is that a couple years ago, people loved Cats so much that they were like, let's make this a live action movie, right? So they came up with this idea of we're going to have a live action movie, it's going to feature some great people. I mean, we're talking like James Corden, Taylor Swift, Julia Dench. And here's how the most graceful way I can put it. The beloved musical was not a beloved movie. Can I get an amen? Like if you, that's a lot of amens. Like if you saw this movie, it was creepy, okay? There was a lot about this movie that you're like, I'm not sure this went through a lot of committees and tables to go through it. The most vocal person himself was Andrew Lloyd Webber. He said, and I quote, that it was off the scale all wrong when it came to his musical. And this happened right before the pandemic came across all of the world. So in the midst of this, his musical is messed up and there's this great pandemic that's happening in the midst of it. The composer of Cats got so stressed out that he went out and he bought a dog. And he said, he said, I quote, it's the first time in my 70 odd years on this planet I've desired a dog, which I know hurts some of you, because I never would have imagined myself to be a dog person, but this dog has helped me get through this pandemic and this musical. <laughs> the only good thing is my Havanese puppy that I've got out of this. His stress was so deep on this, and I love this, I'm gonna display this conversation. His stress was so deep on this that he would fight airlines to let him take his dog with him wherever he went. And he reported one conversation that I'm going to display for you, actually. Uh, one airline asked him this. They said, can you prove that you really need this dog with you? And this is why he emailed him back. Yes, just see what Hollywood did to my musical, Cats. <laughs> the best part of this is he said, no one replied the rest of the day. The next morning, he receives another message. And it's simply one sentence, and it just reads, No doctor's report required. <laughs> that should speak to where we're at right now. One of the complexities of you being a human is that your stress manifests in strange ways. Can I get an amen, someone? That when we are stressed out, we either A, turn on the people we love, or we turn into someone that we do not know. 
Okay, so it's like those Snickers commercials, right? Like, you are not yourself when you're hungry. Okay, it's like that was a self-fulfilling prophecy of what you are like when you are stressed out. You are either doing things you don't recognize or people do not recognize you themselves. This is the condition of David's men in 1 Samuel 30. Men who traveled with David, this guy who was going to become king, they were with him and would die for him. But in 1 Samuel 30, they want David to die. David did not leave anyone behind with the troops. He didn't leave anyone at home. And while they were off to battle, they came back and they had been attacked. And David's men want to turn on him. The biggest grace, though, is that David does not turn into someone he doesn't recognize. He actually turns to God. And when David is in distress, he turns to God and Scripture uses this beautiful phrasing that should just sink into all of our lives, starting in verse 6. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. In the complexities of your stress, whatever that was this week, there's a tendency to want God and God's activity to be to remove the stress that is in your life. And although sometimes God can do that and will do that, the action of God, at least that we get to see in this story, is that God does not always remove us from our stressful situations, but He helps us get through our stressful situations. The good news that you should let seep into your soul that David knows is he can turn to a God who cares for him and can strengthen him. Today, if you do not know God, there is a God who cares about you and wants to strengthen you no matter how distressed you are in life. And this does not change about God, whether you know this or not about this God. David seeks strength in the midst of his stress. He turns to the Lord and looks for strength. My question for you this week is what would it look like for you to seek strength from God in your most stressful moments? There are a lot of different ways that you turn in your stress. Maybe you turn to the pantry. Maybe you turn to a different show. Maybe you turn on your family. What if you were to turn to the God who cares and strengthens you? Next time that you get an email from that boss, you just say to yourself, Lord, strengthen me. Next time that the kids do not respond after you've asked them the same question four times, Lord, strengthen me. What about the unexpected bill? What about the chronic illness that flares up? What about when someone cuts you off in traffic? What if this week you said, Lord, strengthen me instead of just desiring to remove yourself from it? Because it's oftentimes in the midst of your stress that you can find the work and activity of God. And David finds this, right? Because the next step that David sees in the story is not one that you or I could engineer or one that an author, if he was just making this up, would reach for. David leaves this prayer time with God and he's got no clue where to go. He doesn't know if they went north or south or east or west. 
He just knows his heart is strengthened by God and he starts going, which is a word for us today. Even if you don't know where you're going locationally, geographically, or physically, if you know where you're going spiritually, the Lord will start to lead you. This is how it plays out in 1 Samuel, starting in verse 11, if you're following along with me. But then David and his men, they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. And they gave him water to drink and food to eat, part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. I love cakes of raisins. He ate and he was revived, for he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days and three nights. And David asked him, who do you belong to? And where do you come from? And he said, I am an Egyptian. I'm a slave of a Amalekite. Do not miss this. David, who has no idea where he's going next, takes time to care and strengthen someone. And he finds out his next move because he does it. David, who has been cared for and strengthened by God, has experienced this from God, now gives this experience to someone else. David finds his direction in life by strengthening and caring for others. And I can tell you as a minister, I see this happen over and over and over again. When you get to a place in life where you are not sure what the next step is for you or your family or what you're doing in life or your career or you're coming upon retirement, Oftentimes, we think we need to add something to our life. We need to do a new course. We need to be in a new neighborhood. We need a new job. And oftentimes, life with God is just giving away a part of your life. It's very Jesus-y. Like Jesus would say, those who want to save their lives will lose it. But those who ever loses their life for me will actually find it. Oftentimes, giving away a part of your life is actually how we find ourselves. One of my favorite poets has this line that he just says, it is a wild and wonderful thing to bump into someone and then to realize it's yourself. That life with God, if you care and strengthen, just like the God who cares and strengthens for you, you may just run into who God has designed you to be and is working in you. And what is incredible about this is David has got his own priorities right now. He's got to get some stuff figured out. He has lost people in his life and he takes time to excessively care and strengthen someone else. The Bible is very clear about this. One of the things it does artistically when it, when it does this description in verse 13 or uh, 11, excuse me, they gave him water to drink and food to eat, part of the cake, pressed of the figs, and two cakes of raisins. He ate and he was revived. I mean, it goes on and on. This is the Bible's way of telling you, okay, he didn't just like throw him a Twinkie real fast, okay? He didn't just like go to Domino's and get him some pizza. No, this is like Pint House pizza, okay? Okay, are you tracking with me? Like, this isn't like Daylight Donuts. This is like Serena's Donuts. Okay, only the Round Rock locals know what I'm talking about with that. This is David caring excessively and turning to someone who has been dumped off in life, who has not been seen, and David sees them. 
He strengthens him, cares for him. And then David and his men receive the strength and care of God. Follow with me in verse 17 now. So David, he goes up to the Amalekite camp. And starting at 17, David fought them from dusk until evening of the next day. And none of them got away, except for 400 men who rode off in camels and fled. But David recovered everything that they had taken, including two of his wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plundered or anything else that had been taken. David brought back everything. David gives care and strengthening. And then David sees God's care and strengthening in a fresh way. And the Bible is very subtle in how it frames this. And maybe the best way that I can try to frame it for you of how it does it is, is this. I uh, had, a, had a question I needed to think through, and I really needed some people to discern around me a couple weeks ago. Uh, so I brought some people from this church around me, and I brought some family around me, and I said, I've got a question I need to process through. Um, and this is the question. Do I go see the movie Top Gun or not? Okay. And, and I kid you not, every person that I talked to about this, they did not ask me the question, do you like Tom Cruise movies? Okay. No one, I think he's a very handsome man. Okay. I, I enjoy a good Tom Cruise movie. No one asked me if I enjoyed action movies or planes or fights or anything like that. What's the first question anyone asked me that I asked that question? Did you see the first one? And the answer was like, no, because I'm a sinner. <laughs> but the reason people ask, have you seen the first one? Is because if you watch the second one without seeing the first one, you miss all the good references and textures that happen with it. So it is with Top Gun. So it is with the Bible. The Bible is going to give you these small head nods for you movie lovers, these Easter eggs, these moments within the text that just illuminate it and give it more meaning behind it. And this story has one of those. From beginning to end, there is always an emphasis on the number. Like there is always going to be a recount of like, who's with David right now? How many people are with David? How many people crossed that river? How many people were they facing? And there's one small detail, and you may have caught it, that's actually within the text. Uh, David attacks them, twilight till the evening the next day. Not one of them escaped, except 400 young men who mounted on camels and fled. You're like, why is that detail in that story? Like, that seems really strange. Like, was, was there just someone, like, at the gate that was just like, hey, David, a couple of them are, uh, I'll just count one, two, three, four. I mean, maybe, maybe I wasn't there. But sometimes what the Bible is also trying to do is with numbers, just like your lucky number, it has meaning behind it. You want to know how many men show up to get back everything they lost? 400. How many people escape from David? 400. This is the Bible's way of saying David was outnumbered. This could be the Bible's way of saying God's care and strengthening is not logical. God's strength and care helps us to be able to do things that we didn't even think we were capable of doing in the first place. Many of us miss 
the numbers of knowing that there were some men that actually stayed behind. There were 600 and then there were 400. But the 400 that went to battle, they did not forget about it. As a matter of fact, they come back to camp after having their families. And some of those 400 actually say this. Then there were a couple corrupt and worthless fellows. There's always a couple in the bunch, right? Among the men who had gone with David and said, you know what, because they did not go with us, we will not give them in the spoil that we have recovered. Verse 23, but David said, you shall not do so, my brothers. With what the Lord has given us, he has preserved us and handed over to us the raiding party that first attacked us. What the Lord has given us and what the Lord has preserved of us. David makes it very clear that everything they have received is a gift from God. And they should share it with those who were visibly there in the action and those who were invisibly there in the action. If there's anything to catch in the story, it is saying that God is at work not just in invisible, but visible ways. That God is working in visible and invisible ways and cares about those who also are invisible to everyone else. That those who are at home need to be taken care of as well. Social psychologists have observed this long about us in human history. We are experiencing a massive shift over the first, you know, 100 to 200 years that we are on right now. Is that used to, people used to be concerned with work that was mainly invisible to the rest of the world. That most of the time, living way, way back, you used to be way more concerned about things like your family, and then maybe your city, and then maybe, and really, you had to be quite wealthy to do this, you could be concerned with your country or your nation. And what's interesting in our technological like age of flip, we have flipped the order of those things. Now, most of you, before you even turn on your Keurig or pour a bowl of cereal, you already know the conflict or the problem that is on the other side of the world. Many of our conversations, much of our focus is on the visible stage that is happening across the world. And global awareness is super good for us to have. There are conversations that matter right now that are on the public stage. But when we inflate the global work to the point where we miss the local work is when we start to miss what God could be doing and what God is up to in the world. In the complexities of our world, when we look at things and we go, those things should change. We don't immediately think of what can I do to change it. We often think about offering our opinions or our social media posts or our solutions when really what's needed from us is local action in our local zip code. That if we believe something at the core should change in the world, we should participate in what God is bringing about change locally, right here. And David's story reminds us that God sees the visible work, but also honors and sees the invisible work. Then in the midst of David's stress and his loss, David provides strength and care and finds his way back. 
And it starts with those who are invisible, who are forgotten, and those who may be left behind. And I guess as I sat and I prayed and I thought on this week, um, I, I just can't help but in some ways see the parallel that happens with this story and where we are as a society, especially moving towards August right now. I mean, over the past two years, we have all experienced a collective stress. Some of us are still healing from what happened over the past two years. And no way am I saying that everything is back to normal whatsoever. But one of the things that is painfully not back to normal, that we are suffering from, is what has happened to our kids and our education system over the past two years. Every teacher that I've sat across from has emphatically reminded me and has said, yes, teachers have had it hard over the past two years, but the people who are going to really be caught up in the wake of this is our kids and what happened in their lives over the past two years. Mental health cases went up 30%. People are not at the reading levels that they should be. Everyone is confused about where we go next with education. And one of the things that we need to be ready for as a society is coming this August to be ready to support and care and strengthen our kids. People are going to be looking for that. And we as a church should be ready to care and strengthen our kids. And quite frankly, we are not ready. One of the things that is not normal, that has not gone back for us as a church, is our children environments are not ready. We've not been able to staff at the same level that we were before. And I guess in a way, I just want to remind us that this August, we need some people who are willing to do the invisible work of God. If you have done it before, or you have said things like, I've done my time, I guess what I'm trying to say is, this is an abnormal time. We need all hands on deck to be able to do this. There are families that are going to show up at the end of August to our congregation, and they can receive the story of there is a God who cares and strengthens them. But it is going to take some of us to be able to step back in or volunteer for the first time to be able to provide that. So this is just my second emphasis. If you've helped with our children's environments in the past before, this is an ask. Would you come back and do it again? If you have not found a place to plug in yet at this church and you've wondered about it, I would encourage you to go talk to Robin in the foyer. Don't get caught up on things like, I don't know how many Sundays I'm going to be here or I could do with kids. Like, just talk to her. She'll be really creative. Okay, I promise. Because these conversations are ongoing and they are happening. There's a writer by the name of Wendell Berry who said, when it comes to love, we tend to love with proper names. What we tend to love has proper names. We don't love abstractly. The reason you may sit here today is because you personally had someone who cared for you and strengthened you and loved you. God did not love abstractly. God came in person to a local place and loved on people. I know that you may be distressed in life right now. I know that you may be trying to say, I got to focus on me right now and I got to figure out 
what direction I'm going in life, but I want to just offer to you the story we see in the word that just illuminates our hearts is that in David's caring and strengthening, he actually finds God's direction and way for him. I wonder if that could happen for you as well. Whether the people you love remember your name or not. So let me finish with this. I was reading a uh, biography uh, a couple months ago about a religious man who did some great things during, uh, uh, during his time, and he grew up in World War I, and uh, he tells the story at one point when he was um, helping out a family. There was a young boy that just came to him, and he said, you know, uh, sir, why are you so loving? And the man paused for a moment, and he said, you know, I don't know why, but I can tell you when it happened. When World War I was going on, my family got relocated. And I remember that our family, who wasn't religious whatsoever, was taken in at a safe house by a religious man. And that night, my brothers and my sisters, we all slept on this man's kitchen. And as we slept, the man would just walk back and forth, back and forth in the hallway to watch us and protect us. And the man who was thinking that I was asleep, I was not because it was so cold, actually walked up to me thinking I was asleep, took off his coat, and put his coat over me that night. And I instantly fell asleep. And then he just said this line that I was just like, oh, I'm 75 years old now. And sometimes when I close my eyes, I can still feel the warmth of that man's coat over me. As he said, sweet child, sweet child of mine. It doesn't matter if they remember your name or not. When you care, when you strengthen, when you give what God has already given to you in Jesus Christ, you give people the faint remembrance of what God's care and strength is like. The good news for all of us is that you have a God who covers you in your complexities, covers you in your complications, the things that you have made complicated in your life. This God, by the Son of David, by Jesus Christ, calls you sweet child next to your name. Which means that you can participate in the strengthening and caring of others because there's a God who has strength that wants to give it to you, that cares for you. And if you have not said yes to this God, I encourage you to talk to me over here in this corner afterwards because His strength and care is available to you. And church, for some of you who have been here for a while, I want you to also remember, if you've already said yes to this God, and you've weathered some storms, especially over the past two years. God's care and strength wants to come to you in a unique and fresh way. Let it be so. Again, come bless us. God, I, uh, I feel some of us need a reminder again of your strength and your care. Uh, God, some of us are so distressed right now and we don't know what our next direction is. Lord, can you strengthen us this week to not turn on people or to turn into a different person, but by the power of your spirit, may you strengthen us to be brave, 
and to be able to handle whatever is in front of us. God, I, I also pray for our, our kids and our children uh, this August. Lord, may you, may you bring some comfort and some care. God, I pray if there's anyone who their heart this morning is wondering if they should help. Spirit, I pray that you prompt them to say, I'll help. God, we need your strength and care. Empower us to show others this strength and care. It's in your name. Amen.